Hello, everybody. Welcome to Documentation Not Included, episode version 10.0. My, what a big docker you have. Thank you so much for joining us live on Twitch. And for those of you listening on the podcast in the future or watching us on YouTube in the future, we do hope to see you in Twitch chat, live with us, chatting, debating, uh, calling us names, telling me that I need to grow a beard so I can actually be a developer sometime on a Thursday at 7 p.m. It's been a little while, and we apologize. We have fought injuries. We have fought illness. We have fought holidays. How dare they get involved? Holiday blues. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seasonal affective blues. disorder. Everything. <laughs> I'm so sad. Oh. But yes, and, we're here, though. And we are. We are missing. joined. And we are we're joined missing. by Thornton. Yes, Hello. we are. But we're, we're missing Patrick, and we have to give him big ups. Patrick is in the process of doing a move. He was in Cyprus, then he's in Poland, and now he's heading over to Spain. Yeah, I think Spain at the moment. Yes, yes so we, we are joined by Thornton for this today. Thornton Hello. is a developer, and I'm going to let him tell us a little bit about himself and who he works for and whatever he wants to tell us. So go on, Thornton. Uh, well, I work for XCDI, and I'm a DevOps and web applications developer. And I'm mainly working Docker, AWS, pipelines, CI, CD, that's pretty much all I do at the moment. Just living and breathing it. I come home and I do it, and I go to work and I do it. I'm just not really doing much else. So you're not a web developer anymore, really, are you? I'm, the only web development I do is for my own projects, like the, the management platform that I've done for LanOps. But apart from that, I'm not really doing web development that much. But it is my title, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Funny ears, for those who can't see yeah, us. We we have a thing about titles on this show job titles in general don't really mean much to us um, nope. no if you get the right job you're doing everything and, and anything as far as i'm concerned anyway hey i'm just the clo that's all i need to be i don't need to have any other job title ever and that's chief, chief love, officer. love officer yes exactly <laughs> um yes before we go into our fantastic topic, we're going back to the old school icebreakers. This is where we get to ask a question of our guest and ourselves uh, that has absolutely bugger all to do with development in the hopes that we actually see behind the glass glazed eyes that we get once we start talking development. That's not true. We actually enjoy what we do. But your icebreaker question for today, what is your favorite breakfast cereal and why? Or not breakfast cereal, just breakfast food. I say cereal because I was thinking about cereal because I'm thinking of having breakfast for dinner tonight, but that's okay. Thornton can go. This is an easy one for me again, but go on, Thornton. Favorite food or favorite breakfast? I don't favorite really... breakfast food. Uh, I don't really eat breakfast, so it's quite hard. Uh, is it coffee? Coffee and a cigarette? Uh, <laughs> nah. Uh, it'll be pancakes and bacon with maple syrup. Just oh. Good choice. It's a very good. That's a close so second good. for me. My, mine is full English. I can't. I can't go wrong without with a full English. And much to much to my diet chagrin, I do. Um, I do a, I cheat quite a lot with breakfasts, and it's not good. Oh wow! For me, it, it's it's depends on where I'm at. If I'm in the United States, it's pancakes and um, with as much maple syrup and butter as you can slather on it. Uh, with incredibly spicy sausage, because there's something about the spice and the sweetness of the maple syrup being all integrated that's amazing. Sausage? 
what type of sausage because it's different in america isn't it jimmy dean sausage that's then, the only way I, but that's brand new other sausages are available but you know whatever but the flat aren't there, the flat sauce, sausages in america though no in this particular case it, uh, it comes in a casing but like here we have casing which is usually like the the lamb's intestines or whatever that's or pig intestine which is used to to wrap all of the sausage meat in and jimmy dean's the kind i'm talking about they don't have a wrapping it's just a plastic thing that you cut yeah. off and then you squeeze it out or you can unroll it and chop it and make sort of flat sausages like you would get at like mcdonald's or something but yeah it's it's a thing oh it's, it's basically just sausage meat by the looks yeah that's pretty yeah. much what it is yeah. but i like it to be really really hot and spicy but if i'm here in the united kingdom for some reason, I have this small obsession with cereals. Any there's, type of cereal or any particular? There's a non-name brand, believe it or not, sort of pecan uh, mix thing that I am slightly obsessed with. I, I know exactly what you mean. And I, yeah, there's, there's non-name brands in certain supermarkets and yeah, mm -hmm. ma maple pecan kind of um, yes. granola type thing. And, like, and it's, it is... Yeah, it is. I'm not going to troll. I'm not going to troll. I'm not going to troll. And and for those of you who are watching, and thank you so much for joining us. By the way, let us know what your breakfast food is. Indeed. So on to our topic, and today yes. we are talking about Docker and DevOps in general. Uh, we're essentially going to let Thornton lead this. I have done a fair amount of Dockerization of applications i've worked a little bit with kubernetes i've worked a little bit with all not all of them but a number of other platforms but i'm certainly no expert in that um so thornton you tell us what you do on a daily basis to start off with what kind of things you dockerize because that's you that's your thing isn't it dockerize all yeah. the things so i dockerize anything i can basically i'm i'm a pro docker obviously uh i if you can dockerize it, dockerize it, go for it. Um, however, as we'll probably get into a bit later, I've found a lot of caveats and a lot of gotchas yeah. with it. Um, and a lot of regret. Mm. <laughs> a hell of a lot of regret. Actually, uh, so... a lot take of tweaking. A oh. Well, that's one of the beautiful things about it, but it's also one of the curses about it as well, is the how far you can actually customize everything. But yeah. take it back a little further, because we do have some people who watch us who don't even know what Docker is. So Docker is... I don't know what the best way... It, it, it's very, very, very light VMs. I think that's the best way of putting it. Uh, it's not a VM. It's, it's technically, not, it's, it's not a VM. It's not a VM. It's... It's a layer above the OS that just runs a encapsulated um, app. App, yeah. <laughs> well, an operating system. That's, operating uh, system. that's what it does, because essentially so you, you could, if you really wanted to, I think we actually discussed this a while ago, um, Thornton and I go to LAN parties together historically, and we know each other for, we known each other for many years. So um, we talked about it a while ago. You said that you prefer and i'm not sure if this is still the case but you said that you preferred the approach of um creating a single docker container that contained multiple apps and multiple services within it rather than separating each service which is the standard practice which would be for example in a enterprise application or a, a portal of some description you would have your angular app in one side you'd have a net container that contained yeah. your api and then you'd have a database container and then potentially more containers for sharding mongo you know that kind of thing yeah, so at the very core of Docker, you um, the supposed best practice is to have one 
a container for your nginx for instance one container for your php because this is what i've done and i know you don't like php but we'll go that way um then one container for your database and then uh, maybe a front-end container that just runs node or something like that so you'd you'd separate these all out and then have them as their own encapsulated servers apps um, and then you can edit and swap them out as you will so for instance you could come in and say well I don't want uh, nginx uh, whichever version I'm running I want the latest version now so you just type in I want the latest version and it updates and it goes for it and in theory it should all work fine the problem with running everything separately I found is it adds with docker in general it just adds a lot of complexity where you're then having to maintain a lot more points and well you could argue the fact that it's easier to maintain when they're all segregated off um at the same time it's then making them all talk to each other and communicate that becomes the real issue mm -hmm. um so i've found the best way is don't go too granular with it so you start off and say right we want a web server just do a web server just put nginx and php together you can separate them out and then that means you could say like i said update php um, as you will or even swap out uh, nginx and just put apache in if you mm -hmm. really want but putting them together and then having them in one stack i think is a better approach because it, it it aids in your development as well instead of worrying about your your docker containers um communicating with each other you know they're going to communicate because they're in the same container and then you just go and you just allow the rest of the so you would, i mean i would argue in an app with the most of the apps that i put together they have you know three or four distinct parts distinct yeah. deployments that needs uh that, mm. that need a server of some description whatever that is whatever stack it's on it doesn't really matter but the, the beauty, as you just said, of, of being able to separate them out, so you've got SQL Server in one, you've got MySQL in another, yeah. you can upgrade the versions individually, and it doesn't affect, and you don't have to redeploy or reversion or, or recreate yep. containers for for everything. And you don't have to edit a Docker file for everything. You've got more segregation, you've got more um, uh, separation of concerns in that instance, yes. I think it's referred to as. Um, this also reminds me very much of microservices now, you, being a web developer, you'll come across a microservice yep. architecture of some description, which is you can go crazy with microservices. It's primarily what I'm working in at the moment is my microservice architecture. Now, I've worked in places where microservices are essentially one function is a service. You know, yeah, got, that's it goes crazy much. with it. Yeah. And then, then, then you've got communication. You've got multiple points of failure. And yes, you have management software that sits over the top of these services that can control them and can bring them up and um, manage the, you know, manage the communication between them, manage the security, manage the rely uh, the reliability of them, etc. But it can go too far. And I agree with you to an extent. But I also think that your data server, you know, your database. I, I worked on a, a project recently definitely where I, I docker. database is separate. Yeah, that's definitely. I, doc I dockerized a MySQL uh, a Docker instance, which unfortunately we can't, I still, I'm not sure if this is the case, and please tell me if I'm wrong here. We still can't use Alpine in that uh, with MySQL, as far as I'm aware. Uh, it's not supported actually. out of the box. So, Alpine, so a MySQL container is still 500 odd meg or 350 odd meg. Um, yeah. But if you alpined that, it would be down to 45 meg, and we've just lost Josie. 
Um, so it would be. Hopefully, she'll be back in a second. And sorry about the display for those watching. <laughs> I'm not going to alter it because it will take too oh, long. And she'll be back in a second. Um, yeah. So we would have uh, containers that that have the separate. I think it's really important to do that because we can upgrade them individually. Now, when you just yeah. said NGI NGIX yeah. versus and PHP on a server, I agree yep. with that because you're serving. And then PHP yeah. is essentially the CGI that sits in the background or the application that's yeah. serving it. And I'd also have my application on there as well. You know, I wouldn't separate that out into another another container. Definitely not. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, is, is that roughly what you were... Yeah, I, I tend to go for the, the... So instead of looking at, like you were saying, going for the, uh, the, the granular... Uh, separation. I try to go for the more overview and say, this is an app, this is serving a purpose, this is one Docker file, and then that's it. But like I said, we will separate out databases and um, Redis, for instance, things like that. Welcome back. Mm -hmm. um, we'll separate those out because those are almost superficial. It almost boils down to what you can test. So everything should be able to be tested inside itself and mm. then if it needs to spring out afterwards if it needs any um external services then you start building those extra ones like the databases and things yeah i, I have to say of course i've missed so much because <laughs> for some reason our internet just went goodbye so that was kind of annoying but i i love the fact that i came back to because i was going to bring up one of the beauties with things like docker and containerization is the ability to throw things through testing uh but i yes. think i think one so. of the one of the main benefits i've found with docker uh, is not just the separation of concerns because we have that on servers anyway is the ability to scale very very quickly oh yeah I mean, scale it's, horizontally. So yeah. in an enterprise, you start an application. You, you say you've got to start up, right? You don't know how many mm -hmm. users you are going to adopt your app. So you, you throw it onto a DigitalOcean node or a, or a Linode node or something or wherever you want to put it on your internal systems on some of the cloud, some VM somewhere, and you Dockerize it. You then get 10 users and you're like, okay, right. Not getting much, not <laughs> much going through here, but it will grow. And then you'll get to a point where, right, Physically, even VMs start becoming a restriction. You can throw more memory at them. You can throw more uh, CPU and resources at them, but you still have a problem in that it's still limited to one box. So when I've got Mongo is a great example, or even any kind of clustered database environment, we can then scale out additional containers from the same image, from the same Docker file, as long as it's configured correctly, of course, and this is where the tweaking comes in. And that's that to me is a massive, massive benefit. Have you already had any experience of having to scale uh, a Dockerized environment? So yeah, this is where orchestration comes in, and it's just it, be, it just yeah. becomes beautiful. Um, I primarily use Rancher at the moment, Rancher one point six. This because mm -hmm. uh, I started using Rancher probably about two years ago, and the version two wasn't even out yet. Version two is um recently come out in the past year or so and it's full support for Kubernetes. You had Kubernetes yeah. support in 1.6, but primarily it was cattle um, environments. So that's what I'm more used to, um, which I quite regret because I want to move over to Kubernetes because <laughs> it's really nice. Everybody uses it and it's Okay. No, it's see, nice. I have to ask, I mean, why would you want to move? What do you feel the differences are between the Kubernetes and the Rancher? Because not everybody, because Chris and I, when you were talking about Rancher, we both sitting there going, sure, Rancher. 
Whereas I'm like Kubernetes, I I get so. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I actually, as I said, I said to you just before, I've just been to a, a meeting with a potential client that they they're using Rancher. I've heard of it, but I haven't actually heard of a company using it before. So it's interesting. Yeah. Two on one day, two people <laughs> said they're actually <laughs> you know using what that it in is? production. That is serendipity. Yeah. That basically <laughs> means maybe we should stop worrying about Kubernetes and pay attention to Rancher. Oh, I know. However, I think it's the other way around. So, However, I'm curious why why he wants to go to Kubernetes. It's it, it basically boils down to the the amount of support that Kubernetes is getting over Rancher now. Mm. That, that's that's the bottom line. Um, you can it. What we've got, it, it's not a need. It's more of a want. It's more because ooh, that's nice and shiny. I want to move over to it. Right. Um, we're not quite in full production at work yet. Uh, we're still. It was a greenfield project. We started completely fresh. Um, so I've still, well, we're getting to crunch time, and to be fair, I've spent two weeks trying to configure, configure um, load balancers, which it's just, my mind's just fried. Hmm. Um, so I'm kind of not wanting to spend more time on it. Rancher 1.6 works fine. It Honestly, Cattle is a good environment. I use it on my home stack for my primary stuff, and then I've got a Kubernetes environment uh, that I use for just messing about with. Uh, but it just it primarily just boils down to it's it's getting so much more love than um than cattle is and rancher i mean the fact that rancher themselves in version of, uh two have gone yeah we're ditching cattle we're now a kubernetes environment everything that, that says a lot every other service that i come across has kubernetes support now i've never yeah. seen a ran uh, anything with rancher support well, neither have I, but that that's that makes me question. I mean, you, you're saying that right now you're at a point where you're just like, Rancher does what it needs to do. Do you think it's going to have an impact on the future? Um, so the biggest issue I've uh, come across at the moment is um, the load balancer. So Rancher's got the, uh, I think Kubernetes has got a similar thing. It's the catalogs. Uh, so you can get predefined services. You click a button, boom, it installs, and it, it just uh, goes straight onto your stack. Mm -hmm. So they, they've got a, an ingress uh, load balancer that's uh, layer 3, uh, which is perfect. I needs the uh, TCP. Uh, but the it really struggles as soon as you get any more than about 20 um, uh, forwards. As soon as it gets any more, it just, it just, it just dies. Uh, so I've been looking for a replacement for it which I went down the traffic route, which I love traffic. It was a great li little system, but it doesn't do, uh, it's only HTTP and uh, HTTPS forwarding. It doesn't do TCP. So mm. I've had to find something else. <laughs> so I, I, think, I think I'm one of the old school people. When I start looking at load balancers, my brain goes F5. F5 is still F5. the most popular load balancer like, across the enterprise, it still is. Yeah, but I mean, the, in that particular case, it's it's a very hardware-based sort of a thing. But I, I think, I, I don't know, big red button. It's F5's just pretty. I've only ever so... dealt with software <laughs> load balancers. So. Uh, I think that that's the thing. The I was talking to my husband about this because my husband does all of sorts of the dev stuffs and things. And we were talking about what the actual history has been of containerization. You know, like where virtualizations come into place, where things are migrating from. You have a server box that does something going into the cloud and then moving into this sort of idea of containerizing everything and then the scalability behind all of that. And yeah. I, I, I realize I'm an old lady. 
you know that, that that's what i've come away from with that conversation i've i've touched on almost all of it i've touched mm. on it literally i mean got docker is probably the uh, the biggest thing that i've i've invested time into and i now understand it more than enough to dockerize anything and everything you know some of it might take longer than others because it gets more complicated but that's the beauty of it i've been involved in systems in general for ages the cloud in the cloud to me is just an a you you know like i'm talking about azure the three main cloud platforms not the linodes and the digital oceans which are self-service essentially the things like aws yeah aws gcp and azure they are essentially fancy uis that sit on a, a cluster of servers that's all it is to me. I and mean, that's all it is, really. And you can yeah. create templates that you can use infrastructure. You know, you can create infrastructure as code. And I have had success with Azure creating infrastructure as code. Um, in a, in a, it takes it takes months and months to configure. But then once it's configured and it does, it works for your use case. Oh, yeah. oh my god, it is so wonderful. But then you need somebody to maintain that forever and a day because it just doesn't keep working. And as you move as a business, you need to continually improve that change from rancher to Kubernetes. You know, all this stuff. All this stuff occurs constantly. You have to keep your devs happy as well. You know, and you do have this danger, which uh, um, Thorn Thorno kind of touched on a little bit of CV driven development, which we've talked about previously. Of this mm. whole, got to get onto this new new framework or this new uh, piece of tech just to leading edge. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Oh. Now I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of new tech. Yeah, absolutely. But there's also oh, yeah. it, you need to be able to service the business that you work for. You know, you have to be able to deliver 100%. something rapidly and quickly. And if you can do that in a older framework, slightly older. I mean, I wouldn't go too far back. Certainly because of support and security updates and all kinds of things. If you can do that in an older framework or an older tool uh, that's still supported, absolutely do that and then upgrade it later down the line. Because we've yeah. got the support and you've got the the investment from the company and you've got the budget, you can do that. Well, to quote Tulpe or uh, Tulpe, it's shiny need. Yep. It, yeah. We're all guilty of it. We're all guilty oh, yeah. of it. But you also have to take a step back occasionally and, and think, right, what's 100%. sensible here? You know. Well, I think <clears throat> well, the hope is that a company that wants to sit on the bleeding edge, although we can all speak from experience and say that this is not always the case, understands that if they're going to push the bleeding edge, they need to give the developers time and the administrators and the sysadmins, DevOps, like whatever is needed, the time to make certain it can actual function in, in production. Um, we, as we know, that's not always the case. No. No. Yeah. no so, moving on to um, an example then, I think. Because there are going to be people here who have heard of Docker and have no idea what's going on. We've, we've said what containerization is, but in terms of how you would build Docker from uh, something from scratch, can you explain, Thornton, how, let's say we have a very simple, a start simple. We have a simple web application with a few different things that need to be created or different servers that you would normally yep. communicate with. Can you explain to people how you would go about doing that? So you start off uh, with the Docker file, which is just a file that's its own syntax that essentially builds a um, in this 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 container. Uh, one of the big things I don't think we've actually touched on with Docker is you can download pre-built Docker containers and build on top of them, as well as just 
grabbing Docker containers, running them straight from the command line, um, stuff can, can like... We, sorry, I'm going to be really anal here. Can we be clear about the difference between a container and an image as well? And and can I also point out, because the little security girl in me is freaking out, <laughs> don't just download any, please, trusted but, sources. Yeah. Trusted yeah. sources. Check, check its sources. Check its uh, repos. This is another good thing as well. The majority, unless they're, I think, official repos, um, you can actually go into the uh, Docker files because they're usually hosted on whatever repo, uh, whatever mm -hmm. uh, Git repository, usually GitHub. Um, and you can go in and you can uh, actually see what it's doing and if it's mounting anything. Um, be careful about what it's mounting because obviously it can mount things that you don't want like your root of your file system yeah. and and packages uh, that it's installing yeah. any kind of um, uh, any kind of keys that it might be exposing anything like that uh if it hooks onto your docker socket that's another thing as well make sure if it's hooking onto your docker socket it's from a trusted source uh because if it gets into that it's essentially uh an elevated uh container and it can see everything uh, all the containers you're running which means all of the secrets yeah, yep. the latest like all of the Docker was actually involving things like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, what was it like? Images uh, versus yeah. So images versus containers. Yeah. So you said container yeah. quite a few times, and you said you said you can go and download a container. Now you're you're actually downloading an image. It's yeah. a, it's an image of um, an image is essentially a, a, an image like a, a CD image of an operating system or of a particular Docker configuration. And what you then do is then you create a container using various Docker commands or a Docker Compose file or Swarm or whatever, or Kubernetes or whatever you decided to use. Um, and that instantiates a version or rather a, a copy, not a copy. It doesn't create a copy. It creates the container, which is the actual instance of that Docker file. So the beauty of that is that once you've got the image on your machine or within your stack in, what, in however, whatever you're hosting it in, you can then create, I could create 12 SQL servers with one command very, very quickly. That That is one of the beauties of Docker. I will also throw out Infusion 2K7, thank you very much for Love watching, you. says Docker Hub has a nice system. Most useful images are the original developers. Yes, and yep. quite a lot of the time, and oh, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure Thornton's been here as well. Um, I've What I've done is I've downloaded a pre-built image and then, uh, sorry, I've, I've just you know ran a pre-built image. It downloads uh -huh. it automatically from the official Docker source. And then I've realized, actually, this isn't quite configured how I need it to be configured. So they will then create, copy the Docker file from the source, then create, you know, tweak it, update it, take things out, change things. A lot of the time, sometimes it's just changing the base image to an Alpine image or something like that. Uh, Alpine being a very slim down version of the operating system that it uses. <laughs> and then creating an instance. So, okay, so we've created yeah. our containers. Sorry, Thornton, for interjecting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's all, all these buzzwords, it's just like, whoa. That, that's the thing, you know, if you, if you have absolutely no experience with Docker or anything else like that, this is basically going to be one of those smack you in the face kind of episodes with us. But, you know, that's going to happen. We We're here to, to uh, help you educate. explore <laughs> your possibilities. Fill out your DevOps world. But, yeah. So where was we? Uh, Docker files. So you start off uh, with your your base. Uh, you can either go for a completely. You, you, well, you've got to start from a base. Um, so you can either 
grab a pre-built image, like, um, or if you want a, a web app, you could download a Nginx that's already got um, PHP on, uh, Apache that's already got PHP on, just Apache or Nginx. Uh, you can even go. That for... will be based on Debian or some kind of base yeah. Linux image, which I'm not sure where they come from. Actually, the actual base images, so I'm not sure how um, they come you about. You can start with just base and build from there, if oh, I remember okay. correctly. Um, and you just—it's—I think it's a scratch image, uh, but. I'm not 100% on that because I've never done it before. I've literally never had to. So. Most of us don't have to, and that's the point. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's nice it's that it's there. Yeah. The, 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 the um, actual images themselves and everything with the Docker file can actually be done in, I know of a couple companies that do that, that build their own. You know, Once you know exactly what you're trying to build your app for, you literally can customize it for yourself and thus mm -hmm. make certain everyone's sort of on the same page. Yeah. Fingers crossed, as we know in that particular case. But yes, going on. <laughs> so you get the uh, the official images, like uh, Chris said. You get the Debian, Alpine. You can go Ubuntu if you want. Um, I don't really know much else you'd want to go for, to be fairly honest. Uh, There's a few, but uh, not... yeah. But Seuss, everyone but forgets Seuss. Haven't <laughs> <laughs> been Seuss in years. Um, so the. Uh, you start with uh, whichever image you want, and you just build, literally just build on top of it. So the syntax is usually like run, and then your your bash command. Um, you can do things like set m variables. Um, you can uh, copy files from your host system. Copy files from mm -hmm. your host system. Um, set up mount points um, from your host system, which is brilliant for development. So you could just have a container that's just a um, whatever stack you're running uh, you know a full lamp stack or anything and just have this these containers running it and then just mount in your source code and it just it works um you know you could just great type example of, develop. great example of something like that is is my if you mount a local um i've done this quite a lot of times actually you mount your local file system to vardev mysql or whatever it's called in I don't know Linux that well <laughs> off the top of my head anyway. but And then you can essentially, you can recreate that container using a new script or a new Docker file, but it will use the same files. So you can upgrade yeah. SQL without actually mm -hmm. having to update the data. I mean, there will be some updates you have to do, but generally you'll still have all of the data that you originally had and you can go back and forth and play around with the Docker file and the actual config. So the data itself is can be backed up separately. It's yeah. It's wonderful how it works. So you can do persistent storage. Whether you can handle an update too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do persistent storage, which is it's it's great and um, but you've got to remember that to do persistent storage because one thing about uh, Docker containers when you run them, uh, they're contained. If if what happens in that container after it goes, if it's not mounted somewhere, it's gone. Uh, you can rerun it. Yeah. Uh, you can stop it and rerun it, but it's very easy to just delete the container and just be like, "Oh crap, it's gone." Yeah. Um, and it it's gone. Um, and there's, there's, no, there's no way to get that back unless you no, have something like Kubernetes that does backups and does versioning of some of some description. Yeah, it's very. That's that's one of the gotchas. You've got to you've got to make sure that what is needed to be persistent is persisted on the host system um which the majority of containers this is the other uh, sorry images uh, this is the brilliant <laughs> thing about it as well uh you go to the docker docker hub and the 
the readmes that people put on them are usually really, really good, and Very. they'll they'll tell you exactly what you need to run, and it's literally copy paste, boom, done. Most of the time, most of the yeah. time, um, not always. There's a fair few gotchas with certain yeah containers um, used. Well, it's it, you you're relying on the people who actually update to keep the readme files updated, and as we know, yeah. documentation's never included. Hello, name drop of the show. Infusion <laughs> uh, points out as a side note for the Microsoft-centric developers, Docker now allows you to run the base environment in Windows kernel. Yep. Uh, that's how I started, actually. I started playing around with Windows. Uh, I, I'm a Windows developer, so I use a Windows operating system for development. I started with it. I don't like it. I have to be honest with you. It's so <laughs> clunky, and I, I don't need to either because all of the tech that I use these days, .NET Core, uh, even SQL Server can be run in Linux, and it's very yeah. reliable as well these days. I see. Uh, I started my first experience with Docker was the experience that destroyed my Windows machine. Right. So, um, like, my first experience with Docker was basically a, oh wow, okay, let's see how this whole thing works. Oh, I can do nothing. There was something wrong with the install or something like that. But it, like, this was. You also have a problem with um, with platform agnosticism. Agnosticism. It's, it's been a while. Um, in that, if you create a Windows kernel or you use the wind Docker for Windows, can select between the two. You can either choose Linux or Windows, and you can change it ad hoc. But you you probably don't want to once you've installed it. If you choose, oh, come on, Win you want to break everything. You're going to try everything. It's the only way to learn. Yeah, if you choose Windows, you essentially you're installing a Windows operating system within a, a Docker container or and then you can't deploy that to a Linux environment at all because Wind Linux just does not support the Windows containers. But if you use it in a, a if you use Linux containers, you can deploy them on Windows. The only problem I've had with that is some contain uh, some images do not support um, Mongo specifically. In in this instance, didn't support volume mapping uh, for the Mongo shards that I was working with. That was the really only thing. Yeah, um, and it, and it was something to do with the um, with the file system that Mongo used uh, in particular, and I, it doesn't matter. I didn't. It wasn't the end of the world because I just turned it on for production, turned the volume mapping on for production, and didn't have it on for development, and just dis you know destroyed the data whenever uh, whenever I'd uh, redeploy. Oh, that's alright. Yeah, well, it was fine to be fair in development because the way that I develop is I create and make sure that uh, my I make sure it works on other people's machines. Put it that way. <laughs> I try my hardest. You will work on everyone else's machine because yeah, my is. name is Chris and I am perfect. Nearly perfect. I have to fit that in the show at least once. <laughs> okay, it's so actually something we're struggling with at the moment at work yeah. uh, with the because obviously with Docker you can say well it, it will work on every machine. So another beautiful thing about Docker is all the dependencies or anything are self-contained. You literally just need Docker and that's it. Um, mm. I mean, given that it's a Linux system, what I've found is what runs on a Linux system might not particularly run on a Mac system. Um, so we have an issue where the uh, the full stack, because we've got all these different um, applications, uh, microservices, and then I've, I've created a Docker Compose file just pulls all these images down from Docker Hub and then puts them up in a stack. It works absolutely fine in Linux environments and everything can ping each other. It can all do the status checks, health checks, everything's fine and hunky-dory. It's brilliant. As soon as it goes onto a Mac machine, 
it's something with the mounts, I think. It just... Nginx starts timing out, which causes the logs, which are mounted to disk, uh, for a reason that is... Uh, it's debug reasons. Uh, I can't remember exactly. So that's the same. That sounds it. like exactly the same as I just said about the Mongo side of things. Yeah, it's, and it's, it just goes crazy. Yeah, well, you, it um, won't work. It just will not work. You can't. Mongo won't start up if you if you have a mount on a Windows system. So it'd be similar in that. What I did to solve that is I said I had a production config, <clears throat> or rather, I had production variables, environment variables, and then yeah. I had development environment variables, and the development ones essentially just didn't do the mount. It's all it was. That's, yeah. that's that's one of the beautiful things about Docker is you can have those things all set up like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it, I don't think it was particularly the um, the the file types. It could write to disk. It would just I think the sheer amount that was writing to a disk. Right. And for some reason it just didn't it didn't like it. I haven't quite got to the bottom of it yet, so I'm still still up in the air. But that's that's one of the current gotchas that mm. I've uh, come across with. Uh, Docker. So we it's... got up to Docker file um, uh, commands. Yep. Um, so um, what else in Docker files is there? There's the uh, the ports you can expose. So one big thing you need to, if you want to be able to connect to the image um, <laughs> through a specific port, you need to expose the port. <laughs> um, that's uh, something that gets quite a lot of people. I've seen um, they they set up a web server and go, oh, it's it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's it's like did did you open port eighty and did you bind it to port eighty? That's the that's the thing. No. Is there's two <laughs> steps, isn't there? There's the opening yeah. and the yeah. binding. Yeah. So within the Docker file, you can expose the port, which will if you don't on when you're running the Docker command to say run this image, um, if you don't say which port to bind to it, Docker will just bind an arbitrary port to it, and that could be anything. Um, so, I think it does get smart now and say if it's port 80, it will try and bind to port 80. Um, okay. But in my experience, no, it just doesn't. Yeah, in my experience, um, it's better to be explicit it. rather than implicit. Oh, it's exactly. yeah, always be explicit with it. Um, there's, it's just makes life easier. So, the, know exactly uh, it be. the other advantage to to binding ports is that you can uh, one thing in security in the enterprise is you never expose a database port to the public internet in any way, shape, or form. In fact, a lot of the time, you wouldn't even expose it to your internal um, into, uh, full LAN. You know, you'd expose it to development ports, possibly, but you'd never expose production internally. And it would only be certain people who could go on machines to actually do administration on those uh, particular boxes. In this instance, in Docker, it's easy for you to set up this really fairly complicated um, structure, uh, application structure, and only expose that port 80 Oh, and then do not expose 14.3.3 for SQL Server at all. So the only person that can actually access that SQL Server is someone who's got root access or admin access or however you configure it on the host box. So someone has to get on the host box, be an administrator, and then be able to run Docker as an administrator to get into the database server inside Docker. This is the thing that we were going through yesterday. Um, was it yesterday, Josie? Where I was saying that we we couldn't get onto uh, the P we couldn't get in we couldn't update yes. the PSP any because we didn't we 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 had to go in via the Docker CLI, and that's mm -hmm. a, that's a really good security feature in that you don't need to worry too much about the security of the individual operating systems because Docker controls all of that and I'm sure there are exploits and 
things you need to be concerned about. But yeah. as a developer, we don't really need to worry too much. Well, there's only known, like what, 49 known CVEs for Docker, so it's not the end of the world. <laughs> you know, it could be a lot worse. And most of them are kind Still of... early days. <laughs> I love your optimism for the security <laughs> community. Thank you so much, sir. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the last thing I think in a, in a Docker file is we've got the entry points. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, the only other thing that's... So there's the entry points and then the final command. Uh, so the, the file command and is different to the run command. So run is as it's building the container or building the image. Sorry, I'm getting confused myself now. Uh, <laughs> whereas the entry point and the commands are essentially they run at runtime yep. as you run the image. Uh, container. Not quite. We've got, um, I'm not sure which way around it is. We've got the entry point and the command. They can be interchangeable, or you can have both of them running in there. Yeah. One of them runs at runtime, and one of them runs on creation. And I think the entry point runs at runtime, and the command possibly runs at creation. Please do look that up, though, if you do not take that as gospel. Yeah. But it, it definitely yeah. doesn't run every time. So if you create a, a brand new MySQL container again, it will create it. It might do all the setup stuff, do all the security configuration, create the users, create the database. You can run scripts and all kinds of stuff. You don't want to do that every time you start the container. You only do that every, every time you create a container. Instantiation is yeah. a thing. Yeah. Uh, Infusion throws out Docker runs its own network, not your net local network. And this can yeah. be the gotcha when you first. That is actually what screwed me up when I first started messing Docker around around. in Docker was understanding how it was actually virtualization, all the how every bit talk to each other, yeah. and it it it's it's like having your own little microlan inside yeah. of a which you can configure. You, you can configure quite heavily as well the, the internal oh, yeah. one. I, I haven't needed to do that much on it apart from opening um, uh, within uh, opening ports within the actual Docker LAN itself um, internally. But other than that, I haven't really needed to. Tweak yeah, it you much. can uh, you can even set the Docker images to go on the host network. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way as well, you don't have to actually open any ports. It just goes on whatever the host has got. I had a problem um, trying to access the host from the Docker containers for something. I can't remember what it was now. Um, and there's a specific host name that you can use, and it's different for Windows and for, or it was different for Windows and Linux. So again, I had uh, to change that based on dev and production configs, but it's now standardized, and it's something like host.docker.com or something. I can't remember exactly, but I have it as an example to find. Uh, I think it is. I'll, I'll, I'll probably find it in a minute. Yeah, the... Um... So how how I've used it is I've had the entry point. Uh, so the instance I'm thinking of is uh, there's a Git container, so you can actually have Git containerized in Docker. Mm -hmm. uh, so you don't actually have to have, to have Git on your home system, um, and it, you literally just run the Docker command to run Git, and then within that container the entry point is set as Git as in the first bit of the git command mm -hmm. and then all you have to put in afterwards is just clone whatever and then that's the command that goes in on top of the entry point and it clones uh, inside that container as well uh, yeah but you set up a, a mount point and it actually um it 
brings it back out onto the host system for you. Uh, so, so we use quite a few things like that for... Uh, I love how it, it keeps abstracting. Like, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this but, is the the beautiful thing. Like From the very get-go of our show, we've talked about how things start abstracting further and further away from stuff. It's and a it's rabbit just, hole. It is. It, 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 and as stated, you can go way too far. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, so, I love the fact that I don't need to install... SQL Server, MySQL, etc., yep. on my machine. But I get things like that. I st tools I will still have locally because I do what most of my development locally, and hopefully we'll have time to talk about that today because I, yeah. I think that's quite an important distinction. We're I actually at our uh, forty-five minute point. We are, yes. You know, time flies. We're having fun. <laughs> it does, yes. So let's uh, let's wrap up the Docker file at least. Anyway, so we have this entry point that runs. Uh, the entry point runs, and then um, you within. You, you set which commands you want, and then afterwards, um, what the, the the trailing arguments for this command can be. Uh, so, as using git for example, you can use the the entry point for git, and then you'd have this trailing argument. Um, you can overwrite these things um, through the Docker command or through Docker compose, um, and it, it's just it, it makes things really really nice and customizable. Really, it's mm. it's, it's it's a brilliant brilliant way. Git, uh, sorry, the command and entry points are the, they're a big gotcha because uh, even I'm not 100% on it right now. The um, you, they're interchangeable, but command over a command can overwrite an entry point. I think, or is it an entry point that can write over uh, a command? I, this is what I was saying. I'm not sure. It's, <laughs> it's honestly it, it, it really Docker becomes. Go an see absolute... Docker documentation. Everything yeah. will become. Perfectly clear at that point because they do include documentation. There's a lot of documentation on these oh, things, God, it, and it changes every every version as well. Well, not every you've got version. to make sure you're on the right you, version exactly. as well. Yeah, because yeah. um, I'm I'm using an older version um, for legacy reasons. Uh, then you've got Docker Compose, Swarm, Stack, which we will uh, have to cover in another episode, I think. Well, but he, Docker Compose itself is a, a wonderful tool in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so shall we wrap up then? Shall we? Shall we uh, close the we'll show? We'll hit an RTFM. Yeah, we'll get this in here. Uh, so, first off, Thornton, obviously you're coming back. What yep. we'll have to do is we'll just put you on our own little Docker container and just pull you out when we're ready for you. <laughs> Use that's how we should look at our Docker guests now. We're containerizing our guests. Yeah, <laughs> Docker run Thorno. Oh gosh. <laughs> I can only begin to imagine what that includes, uh, just the insanity. But yes, so RTFM is our part of the show where we pick a thing from the dev world or in our companies or whatever it is that we're doing, and we just get a chance to rant, just ever so briefly, about what is annoying us, getting to us, or frustrating us. We've only Do got you have minutes. one? I'm going to say, Thorno is, is a, it's a fine art <laughs> for Thorn or this kind of thing. And I'm not going to have an RTFM just to give it to him. I'll tell you what. Here, here's what I'll do. I'll say mine. It'll be very brief. And then I'm going to let Thorno go. Okay. We've got, so we've got high expectations. Here, here is mine. Mine is simply this. Percono, great when it works. The most frustrating thing on the planet when it doesn't. And that's all I'm going to say. Never heard of it. Nope. You haven't? Nope. I don't know what that is. Nope. <laughs> Salt time <laughs> confusion. It's a it's a MySQL relational database distribution thing that involves three different 
instances of the SQL and it's sort of rated, but it's not really rated. It's 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 a thing. Right. It's beautiful. It is like godly when it works, but when it doesn't, uh, to quote my husband, because my husband is great at analogies, it's a bit like a VW bus. When it works, it is the best thing in the world. When it doesn't work, you question what you were thinking, hmm. why you even considered it, Maybe you should do something else. Maybe you should never have touched it. And maybe you should have forgotten its existence. But when it works, it is godly. So that's all mine. So Thorn, <laughs> tell me, what's your RTFM? What is the what is the one, I, one thing you're going to rant on today? Can I, can I just say that Thornall has his, his own LAN party, which I'm sure he'll pimp later on. And he's got a Discord channel. Uh, and Hopefully. one of the rooms in his Discord channel is called Thornall's Daily Rants. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, one thing and only just, one thing. Just about development. About whatever you want. It, well, development oh. would be more we, we've topical. Dis we've discussed car issues before. We've talked about servers. Professionalism. We, like, anything. Absolutely anything. If you've got anything very acronyms. specific on your mind from today, even would be, <laughs> would be great. Oh, um, well, let's keep it development. The websites when you go to websites and you're looking for you, you just you're browsing and you're trying to find um for, gonna use an example that i've been having a load balancer uh you've tried to find a new piece of software to fill a gap anything and you go into the websites and they tell you absolutely nothing about the product it's just oh it's they expect you to know exactly what the what it, what it is as before you come on and I, that really gets to me i can relate to that in in a slightly different way um i do a lot of uh looking at companies to, you know doing research on on other companies companies that don't have an about section or when you go yeah. onto a a celebrity's website and they assume you know who they are right fair enough they've got 14 million twitter <laughs> followers but i don't know who you are I, I've got, yeah. are you a singer are you a that that kind of thing, yeah. Don't assume. Yeah. Don't assume that people know what you're selling or what you're doing. Okay. Have a detailed section at least, you know. <laughs> well, see, this is the thing. Um, I remember, gosh, a long, 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 long time ago. I remember when the Super Bowl back in the United States when I was way back when I lived there. So we're talking back before two thousand type thingies. Um, but anyway, during the Super Bowl, they started doing commercials where they were very, very tech focused. And I vaguely, I don't remember the exact commercial, but it was an IBM commercial. And they were talking about something and I was sitting there going, I don't know what you're talking about at all, which made no sense to me. So of course, what do you do? You go look it up. And even then I was sitting there going, what? And now I, I spend a, We've talked about this in previous episodes. We like to dally in the latest and greatest. We like to see what's out there. I'm an early adopter. I am someone who will happily get involved like at the grassroots level when you're just concepting the idea. And sure, I'll come, I'll test, I'll give you feedback, I'll let you know my thoughts, all those things. I'm a stable adopter. <clears throat> Whereas I, I'm perfectly <laughs> fine with your adoption. But when I go to look up things or I'm investigating something, just like you said, Thornton, I will run across the company that's like, all the acronyms and all of the explanations for the problems they solve, yeah. but it doesn't tell you anything. It's almost like there's a line between calling your visitors to your site stupid 
And being at a point where, uh, like when I went through my master's degree, a teacher said, you're going to get to a point in the subject matter where people, you're not going to have people to talk to because you're just going to be so far into the subject that no one's going to understand a word out of your mouth. That happens in development a lot. I mean, yeah. just, oh just my God. as an example, Stack Overflow, you try and sometimes you get to a point where you've got no idea what to do. There's nothing anywhere on GitHub and issues. There's no blogs about it anywhere. You post a question on Stack Overflow, nobody responds. You know, that's the last step for me is, is doing that. Uh, Please Stack Overflow. I've resorted to Stack me. Overflow I'll give twice. Away, I'll give away and 500 both of both times have just yielded no results yeah. whatsoever. Absolute waste of time. Yeah. Infusion says one word, AI. Although AI is technically two words. Ooh. Although the acronym itself is... <laughs> I get... Well, you know. Uh, I'm being pedantic and silly. AI and machine learning is something I have yet to really touch upon. I I'm, I'm want to have a look, but it's just... It's just one of them things. It's so deep, you know. It's... You know what fascinates me? It's neural networks. Yeah, that, that is, that I think, where my my obsession really lies. But you know, hmm. fascinates me. But it's just I've got too many hobbies. That that is an entire hobby or career in itself, and I just yeah. I can't. I, I, I want to be able can't. to shut off on occasion. I, yeah. I I love the world we live in when it comes to technology because the phrase I use to describe this world is, this is a world where the same amount of things stay the same as it changes it, it's it mm. it's it is exactly what it is and then it's completely different at the same time and i love exploring where we've gone from you know having a computer made out of you know tapes that are spinning to this world where we have an abstracted cloud to describe everything from virtualization to like whatever you want to do yeah. to describe because cloud is such a horrible phrase in my opinion but you know I still... and yet it's just so much too much way too much to be able to keep up with all of the cool new things and it's oh it just me look in the past decade the amount of we've come the internet the amount the internet's come in the past decade is insane hence why all the legislation is is now being kind of focused it's, on by it's governments only and... just keep catching up yeah i, I guess that could be a fantastic a rtfm article 11 and 13 oh i am currently <laughs> in the process of uh doing quite a bit of uh, reading on those for for reasons that josie knows um but i'm not going to go into mm. yet but I, yeah i'm uh I've, yeah i i <laughs> i have i have thoughts I have a lot of thoughts about that. Not enough time in an RTFM section in any way, shape, or form to get into it. Nope. So what we'll say then is it brings us to the end of our show. Um, thank you, everyone here in our Twitch chat for joining. Thank you so much if you're listening in on the podcast. We do hope to see you live here someday. Please go visit our website, www.dnistream.live. I just want to get the dela out, but no, there you go. Yeah. You can find links there to our Discord, our GitHub, which now officially has tests for our website. Some, uh, yes. some tests. Some, some tests, but it, it has tests. And also our YouTube channel. And you can also use our website to contact us for any reason, either feedback, maybe a funny thing you want us to talk about, a subject, or heck, if you want to be a guest on the show. Or you want to correct us, because we're not always right. Yeah, please do. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Please write this time and date in a calendar. <laughs> I Chris said we. Just said... I shared the responsibility there. Come on. <laughs> oh, 
How kind of you to lower yourself in <laughs> station as to acknowledge us peons who are nowhere near as perfect as you are. So yeah, speaking of the website and the GitHub, we do have um, uh, an open source version. It's kind of it's kind of a bit of if you want to get involved, I might start marking things as good first issue and things like that. Someone told me at a networking event yesterday that it's a good idea people might jump on things then because there's lots of little things to do. I'm more than mm. happy for people to get involved, and I really do enjoy collaboration with people and, and ideas from other people. You know, it's 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 one of them things I haven't done that much of um, in the open source community. And I know it's our website, but it's also hopefully a learning experience for other people. So if you do want to have a look at that, go on github.com forward slash documentation not included. I wish we could have shortened that a little bit. Um, and yeah. we are, the website now has, um, I've put some time into the Angular side of the SEO, um, the SEO side of the Angular website rather. So we now have a fully fledged indexed website, thank God, with individual titles and meta descriptions and all kinds of stuff which is harder than you think or it's not it as simple as you think when it comes to angular specifically angular and seo kind of don't mix no at um, all it's horrible and oh. you, you can find us on twitter at dni stream uh, we post lots of random bits of dev humor and random you know and basically our advertisements of our show etc so please do follow us <laughs> yes and we hope to have patrick back next week we miss him. Um, we'll be here 7 p.m. GMT Thursdays at our Twitch site. And um, yeah, that is pretty much it for today's show. A massive, massive thank you to Chris for being perfect. And um, please, Thorno, if you have anything to pimp, I know you do, uh, you do your uh, LAN party in that. Ah, so. Yeah, yes. if LAN parties, uh, we, I run LAN parties in just south of, We say Sheffield, it's just south of Sheffield. Um, we've been running them for... Well, I've been running for about 13 years now. Um, so we're a 60-man LAN party. It's all good fun. Get drunk, play games. Exactly. Um, apparently there's one seat left for one of your latest. Yes, the, the next there's event, which is the 15th, I think, of March. I don't even know. I can't remember the top of my head. Um, we've only got one seat left, um, which we've had to actually bring back up because somebody had to drop out, which is a bit of a shame. Um Apart from that, um, you can actually use the entire website as well. I've got a GitHub repository, and you can, um, you can, if you need to host events, you've got a LAN, LAN manager. There you go. Uh, that's about it, really. Good stuff. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Yes. And uh, that was me completely forgetting the order we're supposed to exit out of because we, it's we didn't been even so have long. that in the script. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. Thought of it, Oddly enough, we have a script. Go figure. Well, we yeah. sort of. It's it's it it's hard to explain. We try our best. We're devs. But yes. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Nice Justin. to get thank back you, into Thornton. the swing. Thank you, Thornton. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who is watching. It's lovely to have you. And it's it's lovely to see a, a number. A number of people turning back up after such a long time off as well after three yeah. or four weeks of not being here and seeing probably some of the highest numbers i've actually seen on our stream which is not very high but still good enough a lot better for us. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for everyone idea. watching <laughs> if you like us tell people about us yes, if you don't do. like us tell people about us just talk about us tell people we exist. i uh, i've actually uh, passed on uh, a link in some of my networking recently. I've, I've passed the the website link on because quite a people were asking, a few people asking about it. So doing my part finally. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so thank, thank you everybody. Thank you, Thornton, and thank you, Josie. Thank you. We shall close Good. the show.
Well, yes, we should. This is what I'm trying to do. But then you had to get into networking. Oh, how dare you? But anyway, bye, everybody. See you later. Much love to you See all. You.